Hello, everyone, and welcome to Mike Springston FFC Podcast, where we coach you in the Word. We're coming tonight with uh, Session 7 on When Does One Receive the Works and the Gifts of the Holy Spirit. Um, I don't know. It might take one more short session to get this done, but we do want to get it done. Um, We want to welcome you from around the world who download, study with us. We appreciate you doing so. We pray that our ministry is a blessing to you. We would love to hear from you at springston56 at gmail.com, mikespringstonministry.com, ffcma.org, or through Family Fellowship Chapel's direct messaging. Uh, However you would choose to contact us, we would love to hear from you. want to remind you about our book, I Surrender, available Uh, at Amazon, or in your local bookstore. Let's have a word of prayer, and then we will get started with session seven of the teaching, When Does One Receive the Works and Then the Gifts of the Holy Spirit? Father, we thank you for the Word of God. Open our eyes that we can see, our ears that we can hear, and our heart that we can understand what the Word of God says. And then, may we be changed, apply this to our life, and be changed into the image of your dear Son. Jesus, speak to us. We will receive from the Holy Spirit what you reveal that we need to know, do, understand, and demonstrate. We will be corrected. We will be blessed. We will be guided into truth that will lead us truly into the image of of Jesus. Now bless us as we teach in the lovely name of Jesus Christ, who is our High Priest, our Lord, and our Man in the Godhead. Amen and amen. I want to begin today with the scripture from Acts two twenty two. Ye men of Israel, hear these words: Jesus of Nazareth, a man approved of God among you by miracles and wonders and signs, which God did by him in the midst of you, as ye yourselves. Also, no. I'll be following this with a subsequent podcast on when the approval of God becomes disapproved by man. But I want to begin this last or the, the, the beginning of this next near to last session on this topic with this uh, verse. Notice in Peter's teaching these significant points. In verse 23, he was crucified. He was slain, which means he was dead and therefore had to be buried. He was raised from the dead. He refers to uh, Jesus Christ as Lord. And in verse 25, he refers to him as being seated um, in heavenly places with Christ Jesus. Now, or with, with in, in the throne room of God. So, in Peter's message, we see Jesus portrayed in each of the steps or portions from Acts chapter 2 that uh, uh, accept that of the priesthood. But Peter's not yet done. 
If you look at verse 27, because thou wilt not leave my soul in hell, neither will thou suffer thine holy one to see corruption. Do you see the holy one? Yes, you do. We know that this cannot be achieved without being accepted into the tabernacle made without hands. We know that in the holy place and beyond, only the holy ones are accepted and seated. So Peter, in his writing, in Acts chapter 2, left no stone unturned on the day of Pentecost. He relays the message of the, the actions of Jesus Christ that were replicated in us by the Holy Ghost and tells us them in their entirety. Then he concludes this statement with his comment recorded in verse 28. Thou hast made known to me the ways of life. Thou shalt make me full of joy with thy countenance. This walk has brought Jesus back into the presence of the Godhead. He was to appear before the throne and retake his seat, his rightful seat that belonged to him from the foundation of the world. In so doing, he would verify the conclusion of all of his actions. Then in verse 33, Peter climaxes his thoughts concerning what's been seen and done in their midst. He says, Therefore, being by the right hand of God exalted and having received of the Father the promise of the Holy Ghost, he hath shed forth this which ye now see and hear. That's interesting, isn't it? Then he goes on in verse 35 to say, Until I make thine enemies thy footstool. Therefore let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God hath made the same Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. This action by Jesus allowed him to sit down and place his feet in the place that God declared that he would be in Genesis 3.15. And I will put enmity between thee and the woman, and between thy seed and her seed, and it shall bruise thy head, and thou shalt bruise his heel. Jesus bruised his head, the devil's head, by placing his feet upon the foes that were the foes of God. Habakkuk told us that his, this salvation would wound the head of the wicked from the foundation to the neck, and this has been accomplished by the actions of Jesus. Now what has been revealed by the concluding actions of Jesus for the believer? In his final action, the Holy Spirit has been released and revealed as being available to reside in man with a new emphasis. In the five works that were replicated in man concerning the acts of Jesus, the Holy Spirit was charged to do for man what had been done or accomplished by Jesus. Each of these represented a phase of the plan of salvation. But in the last work, the replicator changed. The one doing the replicating and the transmitting is changed. As Jesus sat down at the right hand of majesty, having returned to his original place of the Godhead, something was different. There was a man up there. He returned into the Godhead as a member of the Godhead bodily. Now there he began to command the Holy Spirit. Look at Acts 1-2. Until the day in which he was taken up, after that he through the Holy Ghost had given commandments unto the apostles whom he had chosen. 
he, being Jesus, began to command the Holy Spirit where to go and what to command in the lives of those he chose. Now, someone is going to say, you're correct, Pastor Mike. He chose them to be the ones to have this work completed upon them. First, the purpose of the giving of the Spirit was to expose the fact that he was a man approved by God. Second, this approval extended beyond the apostles because of his statement in John 17, 20. Neither pray I for these alone, but for them also which shall believe on me through their word. Third, the knowledge of this approval is every bit as relevant to our day as it was to theirs. If we know through the four promises and their present conduct that he is where he is supposed to be, then we can boldly declare the words of truth. The only way we determine that is that this was not to be his conclusive act is if we do not understand the measure of the gift of Christ. Now well, let me read that again. If we know through the four promises and their present conduct that he is where he is supposed to be, we can boldly declare the words of truth. The only way we determine that this was not to be his conclusive act is if we do not understand the measure of the gift of Christ. We do not fully understand grace or we choose to reject the work of Jesus Christ beyond his provision as Savior. If, any, if in any of these, we by choice make ourselves extremely weak and terribly powerless. When one is weak and powerless, he is vulnerable to anything that life places as an obstacle. So many would say, well, Pastor Mike, is this conclusive work essential? Paul will say it is. If you intend to come in to the complete, whole work of salvation that is provided in him and to operate in his power, look at Colossians 2, 9 and 10. For in him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily, and ye are now complete in him, which is the head of all principality and power. So the action of Jesus is to become the man in the Godhead bodily, and that is the condition that expresses his ultimate action. It expresses his, uh, his bringing to a conclusion his part of the plan of God. This also concluded the work of salvation as man is made by this last act whole. And that wholeness is brought about by the completed actions of Jesus Christ. Now, is this plan fluent, fluid? Meaning, does it continue to function over time? Well, of course the answer is yes. Man will always come through the acts of Jesus. They will always come through the replication of these acts in their spirit as completed by the Holy Spirit, and they will step on the ladder of salvation as they proceed toward the throne room of God. Then, 
At what point are we sealed with the Holy Spirit? Well, this is a work of the Holy Spirit as it comes in the portion of Jesus Christ's actions that are associated with the deliverance that's found in the resurrection. Look at 2 Corinthians 1, 21 and 22. Now he which establishes us with you in Christ hath anointed us as God, who hath also sealed us and given us the earnest of the Spirit in our hearts. Where do we identify this portion of the work of Jesus Christ? Where do we see his work as being the victoriously anointed Christ? We see that work accomplished in the deliverance appropriated by salvation that occurred in the resurrection. We were sealed by the force of that deliverance. What makes us know this? Well, we put on a new garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. We donned for the first time the robe of righteousness. We were sealed by the reproductive work of the Holy Spirit that was completed in coordination with the acts of Jesus when he was resurrected. Look at Ephesians 1, 12-14. That we should be to the praise of his glory who first trusted in Christ. Where did the first fruits come from? His resurrection. In whom ye also trusted after that ye heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also after that ye believed, ye were sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise. Here is the natural progression of the work of the Holy Spirit with regard to what began at the cross. The cross was preached. Salvation's plan was exposed. You and I believed. And healing was provided through forgiveness. We followed Jesus to the tomb and relinquished our flesh and our spirit was preserved. Awaiting the next action, we followed him to the region of the damned and we were delivered in robes of righteousness. The Holy Spirit replicated the actions of Jesus and completed the work that was promised to those who believe. Which is, verse 14, the earnest of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession unto the praise of his glory. This sealing in righteousness is the down payment of our inheritance. This means that it holds the door open for more to follow. This is great scripture, my friend, because there is more to follow as we move and walk with Jesus on his journey back to the throne room and back to his being placed in the position of the man in the Godhead bodily. There is a greater inheritance that is to come in the plan of God for the believer. This plan is to be pursued and followed because of the opportunity provided by the action that was done to save man from sin. These actions are ransom in full. In other words, they produce the full measure of the gift of Christ for man as completed in the cross. Man has been purchased for the purpose of being completed by him to the extent that he would possess complete dominion over all principality and power. How are we to accomplish this if we stop when we are sealed? Sealing only tells us that we are in or a part of the inheritance. It does not reflect the full receipt of the inheritance. Is the inheritance heaven? Well, no, in fact it is not. The inheritance is to be active and reigning in the kingdom of his dear son. Inheritance 
is the receipt of the life that is full of the image of his dear son. Now we know that there was a plan developed by God in the walk of Jesus to make us by the force of his actions to be complete in him. We must not reject God's plan if we do reject the very directives of Jesus. Think about that. If we reject God's plan, we are rejecting the very directives of Jesus. If we reject that, we unfortunately come under Hosea's prophecy in Hosea 4.6. My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. Because thou hast rejected knowledge, I will also reject thee. That thou shalt be no priest to me. Seeing thou hast forgotten the law of God, I will also forget thy children. Seeing thou shalt be no priest to me. So we conclude now, moving into the final work of Jesus that brings us into the baptism of the Holy Spirit. This work is a dynamic part of the operation of salvation because it places man in a condition of completeness or, as salvation would uh, pose it, wholeness. From here, the voice of Jesus is heard and advantages that are required are revealed. He guides, shows things to come, and speaks. Where are these references to the work of Jesus through the Holy Spirit found? Well, the guidance of the Holy Spirit in showing things to come are found in John 16, 13. Howbeit, when he, the Spirit of truth, is come, he will guide you into all truth, for he shall not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak, and he will show you things to come. Where is the reference to the operation of the Holy Spirit with respect to being given what to speak? Well, Luke 12, 11, and 12. And when they bring you into the synagogues and into magistrates and powers, take ye no thought how or what things ye shall say or, or answer or what ye shall say. For the Holy Ghost shall teach you in the selfsame hour what ye ought to say. Paul, of course, went deeper into the means that the Holy Spirit would use to guide, show, and speak. Let's see if they correlate in 1 Corinthians 12, 8-11. For to one is given the Spirit, by the Spirit the word of wisdom, to another the word of knowledge by the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to, the, to another the gifts of healing by the same Spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another discerning of spirits, to another diverse kind of tongues, to another interpretation of tongues. But all these worketh that one and the selfsame spirit, dividing to every man severally as he will. We identify in these verses the guiding operations of the spirit as being wisdom, knowledge, discernment of spirits. We also identify the gifts that will show us things to come. They are faith, healing, and miracles. Then lastly, we identify the speaking gifts, and they are tongues, interpretation of tongues, and prophecy. So in the concluding gift, Jesus fulfilled all of his promises to the apostles, disciples, and the church. We have the complete mind of the Godhead from our being filled with the Spirit. Power, presence, and presentation are transmitted to the believer. What does such ministry then provide for the believer? Paul told us in Colossians 2 
that we were whole or complete and that all principality and power are now placed under this condition that we found in salvation called wholeness. What is the result? The house of the wicked is destroyed and we stand with our feet stretched from his foundation to his neck. We literally are squeezing the life out of the devil. How do we do so? Because we're full of the power, presence, and the presentation of the man in the Godhead. Can we identify why the terms and conditions of walking with Jesus, who is our high priest, our Lord, and our man in the Godhead bodily, is so critical to our ability to be more than an overcomer? If we do, we must pursue this life of grace and the blood that has been provided for us. So it is not until this last phase of the plan of salvation that the approved plan of God is completely revealed. The operations and the gifts of the Spirit are replicated in the lives of believers who have progressed through the approved portions that were approved by God concerning the actions of Jesus. All of the actions replicated in the believer by the Spirit are now operated from the throne room of God. The believer has operated the process of appropriate portions to come to this season. He is filled with the operation of the Holy Spirit for the purpose of hearing direct communication from Jesus Christ. Now the execution of the messaging will revert back to the believer's positioning as a servant. Someone would ask, why if we have access to his lordship and the use of the name of Jesus, do we need the baptism with the Holy Spirit? Well, the answer is clear. It is the divine pre-approved plan of God to operate the plan of salvation that would destroy the house of the wicked and step on him from the foundation to the neck in six phases. First phase being healing, second phase preservation, third phase deliverance, fourth phase safety, fifth phase soundness, and sixth phase wholeness. It now shows that the man who is approved by God has completely accomplished his mission of replicating himself in you. The position of lordship has an authority, and that authority declares the use of his name. Now watch this. The position as the man in the Godhead who operates through you by filling you with the Spirit coordinates now the actions that come from the use of his name with his ways. His acts and his ways. Now we are operating in a position of which we found that Moses operated in because Israel knew his acts, but Moses knew both his acts and his ways. And we are operating in a position that is equal to the operation of Jesus Christ in his ministry because he knew both the acts and the ways of God. So he speaks to us and directs our works, our messaging, 
and our lives. Now the gifts of the Spirit that are replicated in man are as follows. Wisdom or the correct intelligence to deal with the information that is provided for the benefit and profit of the one who is operating in the gift of wisdom. Knowledge or the correct application of that information. Discernment of spirits or the ability to correctly identify the spiritual content that is present both in the spirit that is working with you and the spirit that's working in others. Faith or the appropriation of faith that is produced and replicated in us through the name of Jesus Christ our Lord. Miracles or the manifestation of the result of faith as it is replicated through the name of Jesus Christ our Lord. Healing or the ministry of wellness and soundness as ministered to us by His Lordship. These are all associated with His position of Lord as He is exalted Lord over all three regions where men and their spirits reside. They're revealed in a man from His perspective of servitude to the rule and reign of Jesus Christ our Lord. Then there are the last three operations of the Spirit. Now remember, these are direct communications from the throne room of God. They are provided by His position in the Godhead where wholeness is the result. Tongues become the operation where the words of truth are disseminated from the throne room that are meant with intention to lead, guide, and direct the believer. They also serve as a sign that connects the approval of God and the approved plan of God into the arena where tongues are exposed. Interpretation of tongues. Communication by definition is only accomplished when there is a clear understanding of its message and its content. The interpretation of tongues is the mechanism that's approved by God for the value of understanding. Jesus speaks in a language that is unknown to the believer. He places the known language in the spirit and the mind of the believer. The believer then becomes a servant and expresses the message in detail. The listener is edified, corrected, and encouraged. All identify the operation as a sign of the approved acts, works, and ways of Jesus Christ provided to us in the divine design of God, which is not only the pre-approved plan, but the currently approved plan. Last, there is prophecy. This is the foretelling of events. It is the engaging with Jesus to show us things to come. Prophecy comes again from the throne room, provides us insight into what God is doing as we move into our tomorrows. In conclusion, this phase of salvation that is identified as wholeness produces in us the complete portion of Jesus Christ as the man in the Godhead bodily. From here, we can operate in His complete identity. We have His actions replicated in us and His ways manifested through us. Aha! Now we see why it is imperative that we get in 
to the promise of the Father and that we come into the plan that is approved by God because we move from His acts to His ways in the Spirit. Wisdom, knowledge, discernment of Spirit, faith, healing, miracles, tongues, interpretation of tongues and prophecy all bring us in to an operation that is exposing the acts and the ways of God. They're exposing heaven's best, and this is why Paul said they were given to a man to profit withal. So let me close with these words of Jesus and I see that my time is going to run so that this will be our last session on this topic. I want you to hear this. Then said Jesus in Matthew 16, 24 through 28, unto his disciples, if any man will come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. For whosoever will save his life shall lose it and whosoever will lose his life for my sake shall find it. For what is a man profited if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? What shall a man give in exchange for his soul? For the Son of Man shall come in the glory of his Father with angels, and then he shall, now watch this, reward every man according to his works. Now here you see the process that begin with the actions of Jesus for the salvation of mankind. Do you see the last few words of verse 27? Then he shall reward every man according to his works. Every man will be rewarded according to his works. Now we must consider this statement in two possibilities. First, every man will be rewarded according to the works that he accomplishes as he begins to follow Jesus in his activities that begin in the cross. Think about this. The cross is the subject of these verses. Pick up your cross. So man is not being rewarded according to whether he is saved or a sinner. The cross implies that since he picked it up and is following him, he will accomplish what the cross accomplished. So there must be more works associated with what began at the cross for the man to both pursue and accomplish. Secondly, we must identify the second possibility. There is more to the works of Jesus than just the cross. So that his works are referring, could be referring to the works of Jesus Christ. We know that Jesus experienced six different actions or works that are all identified in the plan of salvation. They have all been approved by God for use at the place for where they were appropriated. Man will be rewarded as he successfully tracks Jesus Christ from the cross to the tomb, then to the resurrection, then to the priesthood, then to his lordship, and finally into his position as the man in the Godhead. Now if we combine the scripture and we look at it from both perspectives and say that both of these are appropriate, then we see the journey of man in a completely new and dynamic position. It's one that's quite exciting because we can see that God's approved plan has provided works or actions that we can achieve and works or actions 
that we can be rewarded for that are spiritual in nature. What a revelation. We can, by Jesus' own words, follow him in his works or actions and be rewarded accordingly. Now, where will these rewards manifest? Well, they'll manifest in two places. They will manifest in the world, the one we live in now, and in the world that is to come. What will they accomplish? 2 Corinthians 3.18 For we all with open face beholding as in a glass the glory of the Lord are changed into the same image from glory to glory, from action to action. How did it happen? Even as by the Spirit of the Lord, replicating action to action, replicated by the Spirit of the Lord. I want to close with this. Romans 8, 28-31, And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to His purpose. What is His purpose? Well, we've shown you. Six actions of Jesus, six replications of the Holy Spirit, all tied into six phases of salvation. For whom He did foreknow, He also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of His Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, whom he did predestinate, them he also called. For whom he called, them he also justified. For whom he justified, them he also glorified. You see the actions coming into play here. What shall we say then? If God be for us, who can be against us? God, I pray that as we come through your actions, and the replications of the Holy Spirit. May we go all the way until we are full and complete of you, to where we have power over principalities and dominions, to where you are utilizing the Holy Ghost to speak your commands and giving us the gifts of the Spirit, utilizing them in us so we may profit with all. I thank you for every blessing from the cross to your return as the man in the Godhead. May I appropriate them and apply them to my life. Transmit them to me so that I can be transformed into the image of your dear Son. Thank you in Jesus Christ who is our High Priest, our Lord, and our man in the Godhead's name. Amen and amen. Well, we're going to conclude then with session seven. I hope you've enjoyed it. I hope it'll open your eyes. I hope it'll make you think. But I don't want you to miss the next session. And that topic is on how we have determined our disapproval of the approved plan of God. Well, find Him as Lord. Every knee will bow to Him. Find Him as the man in the Godhead and there He will show you great and mighty things that are to come. May God bless you until we speak again.